and uh, I'm going to introduce to you, um, you know, the official title is Reverend Dr. Richard Schmidt, but for me it's Dad. I want to invite Dad up to preach this morning. Now go sit down. Uh, where have you been? As Chris said, you got to admire his trust, don't you? I mean, this is really a trusting thing that he is doing, letting the old man come and share with you when he has no earthly idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> and then he'll have to endure it twice more. As Chris said, Judy and I usually are here at the 11 o'clock service because it's easier for us to get up at a more, much more reasonable time than we did this morning <laughs> and drive down here the hour and 15 minutes or so that it takes for us to get here. But folks, you, you all have blessed us so much by allowing this to be our church home in, in retirement, uh, and I really, I really do mean that. And uh, some of the things that you have said to me about this guy and what he means to you really, really blesses us. Some of the things you have said. <laughs> Last Christmas, I was standing over here by the door and one of the, one of the folks in the congregation said to me, how much of what Chris says when he tells stories about his growing up years, about his mother, about you, about his brothers, about Judy, about the events, and how much of that can, is true? <laughs> and, and I said, I can assure you that that is exactly the way he remembers it. <laughs> Chris has always had a good reason for the things that he did, and does. I'm about to give a benediction. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't turn me off. I'm, I'm in control now, not him. Uh, he has always had a good reason for some of the things that he has, has done, at least to his way of thinking. And, and he, he reminds me of a kid that I had in the congregation in Jacksonville that I served. I'll call him Chris, but you don't know him. You, 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 you don't know him. Uh, he liked to crawl through a hole in the fence and go next door to play. And he was constantly being told by his mom not to do that. And, and he constantly did it. One day his mom asked Chris, you, you don't know him, <laughs> why, why do you do that? And, and, uh, and Chris, you don't know him, <laughs> said that sometimes Satan tempted him and he didn't know what to do. 
and so his mom, being the spiritual person that she was, said, well, Chris, uh, the next time that happens, say, get behind me, Satan, when you feel tempted. And that seemed to work for a while for Chris. Um, you, you don't know him. <laughs> and and uh, one day, the mom was looking out the window, and there he was on the neighbor's lawn playing. And, and so she called out to him, Chris, uh, you, you, you don't know him. Um, didn't, didn't I tell you when you felt tempted to say, get behind me, Satan? And, and Chris said, yeah, you did, and that's what I did. And, and I said, Satan, get behind me, and he did, and he pushed me through the hole in the fence. <laughs> So that's, that's your, I mean, you don't know him. <laughs> this, do you know, do you know in our country we have a national day of prayer? Yes. First, first Thursday in May, national day of prayer. Carl Menninger wrote a book years ago titled Whatever Became of Sin. And in that book, he talked about the fact that on the National Day of Prayer, not since Eisenhower's, Eisenhower's administration has the word sin been used in the address on the National Day of Prayer. We talk about man's inhumanity to man. We talk about our inability to love one another. But we, we don't ever call it sin. Why? Because we know too much about it. We don't like to admit that. We don't like to, we, we, we don't want to admit that we sin. One person in a congregation that I served years ago after I had shared a message on the word sin came up to me and with a straight face said, I don't sin, I make mistakes. <laughs> and he was serious, he was absolutely serious. Let's test your American history. Who was the 30th president of the United States? Anybody wanna hazard a guess? Number 30, who? can't hear you. Oh, say it again. No, it wasn't Van Buren. It wasn't Roosevelt. It was Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge. Calvin Coolidge was referred to sometimes by a nickname. Silent Cal. Silent Cal. Why was he called Silent Cal? Because he never said anything more than he felt like he had to say. So one Sunday after church, after Coolidge had come back from church, somebody asked him what the preacher had talked about. And he said, sin. And then the interviewer said, well, what did the preacher have to say about it? And Silent Cal said he was against it. <laughs> this morning, I want to point you to some things that the Apostle Paul 
had to say as he took a strong stand against sin and a stronger stand for righteousness and grace. And we find the first text this morning from Romans chapter 5, verses 17, 18, and 19. And this is what Paul wrote. If because of one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely, surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, let me digress here for a moment. When you do Bible study, if you ever come across the word therefore, you should always ask, wherefore the therefore? <laughs> because Paul is about to tell you in conclusion what he has been talking about. So he says, therefore, just as one man's trespass led to, led to condemnation for all, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now I found it interesting this morning that Chris referred to the message in talking about a verse of scripture. And I want to tell you what the message says about that particular verse. And it renders a part of that text like this. Here it is in a nutshell, the message says. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put us into a tough situation and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. Of course, Paul is talking about Adam and disobedience and sin and death on the one side and Christ, obedience and righteousness and life on the other. Now in Hebrew, Adam means man, and Eve is related to the word living. They lived in paradise, but paradise wasn't enough. They wanted more. So they ate of the fruit that promised to enhance their knowledge and power. Now, it was not an apple. You don't find that, in fact, you don't find the fruit mentioned at all. In, in, uh, in, in the text. We don't know what it was. If it was my writing, it would have been lime <laughs> or something like that. You ever seen a Christian that looks like they've been weaned on a persimmon? <laughs> you, know, you know, they ought to have, we ought to have all the reason for joy in our lives and we go around looking like sad sack. And it just, are you a Christian? like I say, weaned on a persimmon. In, in Romans 5.12, Paul says that sin came into the world through one man. And he meant that sin comes into the world through temptation to do whatever enhances our desire for pride and power. 
So in wanting to build themselves up, Adam and Eve ended up tearing themselves down, and they took us with them. Now, what did Jesus say was the foundation of all laws? We find it in Mark's gospel. And if you look at Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 29, you hear these very, very familiar verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That's called the Shema. And it comes originally from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It is considered to be the cornerstone of the Jewish faith, and some scholars have called it the most important uh, contribution to religious thought ever. Now, the Midrash, which is a commentary, a Hebrew commentary on the Old Testament and other texts of the Shema, says this. God said to Israel, my children, everything I have created, I have created in pairs. Heaven and earth, the sun and the moon, Adam and Eve, this world and the world to come. But my glory is one and unique in the world. Hence, the Lord alone. And to the Shema, Jesus adds these words. You shall love your neighbor, how? As yourself. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I hear somebody out there saying, I don't love myself. To that I say, in a great Greek word, bull. <laughs> Isn't that a good Greek word? That's very, that's very deep. We do love ourselves. Oh, we want our, that's called reverse pride. You know, we, oh, I don't love myself. Yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we do. And the way we love ourselves, Jesus says to us, we are to love one another. See, God's desire is not only to make us one with him, but one with each other. So to counter the negative that was brought about by Adam and Eve, sin and death, Paul gives the positive that's brought about by Christ, which is righteousness and life. Now it was thought that this juxtaposition of good and evil, Adam on one side, Jesus on the other, was going to culminate in a great battle, a great conflict between good and evil. The showdown was coming. God would intervene. The Messiah would lead the attack on a white charger, if you will, leading good against evil, and the enemy would be vanquished, and the outcome was going to be an eternal reign of righteousness. That's what was hoped for. That's not what happened. Things don't always turn out the way that we want them to in life, do they? They, they just don't. The other day, 
Judy decided she was going to go shopping at Wiregrass. And, and being a loving and beloved husband that I am, I, I suggested to my darling wife, purely as a matter of, of self-discipline and for no other reason, that, that when she went to Wiregrass, she should go without the aid and the comfort of the checkbook <laughs> and the credit card. I'm sorry? No, no, no point in going, she said. She would stay home. Well, that kind of fell flat. I, I really don't understand why, but it, but it did. And so I, I thought I would, I would try a different tactic. And I, and I said, honey, think of our checkbook balance. And I was greeted with the look. <laughs> Most of the laughter I'm hearing is from the men. <laughs> you know what the look is. And so, so I thought, well, that didn't work. I'll try a spiritual approach that I had heard of once. And I said, honey, if you get the urge to buy something, just say, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> When she returned from Chico's, <laughs> she had this gorgeous dress. And man, I asked the inevitable but wrong question. How much did it cost? When I awoke from my faint, I said, to my beloved, honey, don't you remember my spiritual advice was that if you got the urge to buy something, you should say, get behind me, Satan. My loving spouse replied, oh yes, I did exactly that. And as I looked in the mirror, admiring the dress from the, from the front, Satan went behind me and said, it looks good from back here. <laughs> exactly sin, not if I want to eat lunch today, but the, but the story illustrates a very important point. We all get enticed to do things that under other, under other circumstances we, we wouldn't normally do. Satan whispers in our ear, go ahead, do it. Nobody will know. It looks good from back here. And just as Adam is seen as the child of God who fell from grace because he listened to that voice and because he wanted more power, we could say he went through the hole in the fence. Christ is understood to be the Son of God who is perfect in righteousness and obedience. And Jesus' obedience did not have anything to do with him wanting to rise to the pinnacle 
of being the most obedient person so everybody would look at him and go, ooh and ah, isn't he wonderful? No, his obedience consisted of listening to God's voice and doing what God called him to do. And in his day, those who held positions of power and privilege, both the Romans and the Jews and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, were finding that their towers of self-righteousness were teetering and crumbling in the face of what this itinerant preacher from Nazareth had to say. The walls that they had erected between themselves and the people they considered to be sinners were crumbling. And so when Jesus was arrested, and we are in that season where we are, we are looking to, to these events, when Jesus was arrested by the powers that be, it was only a short step to crucifixion because they were so threatened by what he had to say. And on Calvary, they unwittingly set up the showdown between the disobedient descendants of Adam and the Messiah for which they had so often prayed. But, but, instead of the cosmic battle that they thought was going to come, they heard this simple prayer, Father, Forgive them, for they have not got the foggiest notion what they're doing. That's a Richard paraphrase. In the violent clash that occurred between good and evil that day, the only blood that was shed was the blood of the one who was sinless and obedient. The fullness of God's power was revealed not in a flaming sword of judgment, but on a cross from which forgiveness was spoken. So instead of a battlefield, Jesus created a space of grace. Like the space of grace he created for the woman who was caught in adultery. It is a sacred space, this sacred space, that the sons and daughters of God can discover who we really are. And if you and I would honestly come to terms with the sins that we have committed and the destruction that it has caused to people's lives as well as our own, then we can begin to awaken, awaken to the true purpose of God's call in our lives to be followers of Jesus Christ. But sin is addictive, isn't it? It's alluring. It's attractive. We, can, we think we can let go of it any time, but, but sin doesn't easily let go of us. Oh, it, it may offer a thrill, a bit of excitement, a momentary high, but it always leads to heartbreak. It erodes, maybe slowly, but nonetheless consistently. I read about a man who was doing an experiment with water. And he got this very well-conditioned athlete, and he made a bet with him. And he bet that he could not endure a pint of water being poured on the back of his hand. This athlete thought it was a, a sure bet, so he took it. But what he didn't know was that the water was going to be applied drop by drop. 
from a height of three feet. Now, in a pint of water, there is about 15,200 drops. I did not know that. I did not count them. I just take it that it's true. And so after 300 drops, his hand was hurting. After 420 drops, I said 15,000, it was 11,200 in the pint. After about the 400th drop, his hand was swollen and red and hurting so badly, he gave up. Sin works like that. One sin at a time may not seem like much, but the cumulative effect is destructive. You know, sometimes when we fall into sin, we tell ourselves, that didn't hurt. Sin has a way of eroding and causing permanent damage to our soul. It, it blurs our vision and causes us to take our eyes off Christ and causes us to make excuses. It's not my fault. They dared me. He pushed me through the hole in the fence. Looks good from back here. The devil made me do it. This morning, as we continue on our journey through Lent, let's enter God's space of grace right here, right now, and bring before the cross of Christ the way our human nature has hurt a brother or a sister, wounded our soul, shattered God's creation. As a spiritual discipline, let's listen deeply and intently for God's call to love. And let's love each other as we love ourselves within these walls and beyond. Let's learn to embrace the call of God, to love God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Loving Lord, as we conclude this worship service today, as Chris said earlier, let it not just be something we do during this hour and then walk out and not live it until we come back next week and do it all over again. Let us remember what we do and say here and take it with us in the days to come to be renourished and revived next Sunday. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and God's people said,